Have that get some of that sound in there. Yeah, I'm 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 much more of a bourbon man than a scotch man. I, 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 I scotch will often just taste like melted plastic to me. <laughs> <laughs> Even the good stuff. I, I just don't have a taste for it, I guess. This is the good this is Ardberg. This is a good old expensive uh, scotch here. But it tastes it tastes like uh like licking like a saddle. You know? Mm. <laughs> Well, that that sounds appealing, actually. <laughs> James Bond. Bond. James Bond. It wouldn't be the 60s without James Bond. So we figured we gotta we gotta deal with this guy sooner or later. So we're um, so Jenna and I have um, have had a few glasses already, and we're gonna continue to to drink um, vodka martinis, shaken not stirred, for the uh, for the duration of this podcast. And we're gonna talk about James Bond, mostly Sean Connery. We've got a little George Lazenby at the end. Uh, who wasn't a great Bond, but I sure loved that one movie he was in. I just want to say for the record... That you're watching right now. I am I am rewatch. I have this with the sound real low, <laughs> and I am, I am re-watching this. But I have to say, before we even start, for the record, like, I've never... I, I actually slowly watched all of James Bond, like, maybe a year ago. And it took me... I, it, I, I started with the idea of, I'm just going to watch all of them. And it took me like a full year to just mm -hmm. only get to 1970. <laughs> I, I like, I tried, like I went, I kind of powered through them and then kind of like faltered. And then I think I gave up, but, uh, actually my favorite one, which we, we aren't going to talk about because we are barred, uh, by international law from talking about any movie over, uh, 1969, but Diamonds Are Forever is 100% my favorite James Bond. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, was, I was strongly considering watching that just so I c could have watched all of the Sean Connery Bonds, or at least all the Eon Connerys. I guess there's that one he did in, in 85, Never Say Never Again. But Diamonds are, are, are Forever is terrible, right? Is that why it's your favorite? Because it's so bad? It's amazing. It's super great. <laughs> But it's super campy. And I've also realized that kind of like, uh, funny enough, Wes Anderson, <laughs> James Bond, every movie that I like that is a James Bond movie is a movie that all of the fans hate. And every movie that the fans love is the movie that I don't like. That's my Bond. experience, too. <laughs> License to Kill. I love that one. Everybody hates it. Quantum of Solace. I thought that was good. Everybody hated that. I haven't even seen most of these. You know what? Actually, I saw. I saw. Um, I hated the new Casino Royale. I love the crazy '60s Casino Royale, but that's a whole other ball game. Mm -hmm. uh, I really like Skyfall. I like Skyfall, but I didn't actually see the other you, one. You know what it is, Jenna? Here's what it is, and it's as simple as this: there is absolutely no character development in. James Bond movies and we're character people and the the few yeah. the very few movies where there's a little bit of a character arc those are the ones we're drawn to and the fans are like what the hell are you trying to do this isn't James Bond this isn't what I want to see get back to the like slapping women and and sh <laughs> shooting a bunch of guys that's all I want to see blow stuff up that's what I want <laughs> which to be fair is things that we're both in <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I just yeah. want to also point out that 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 this is the the beauty of this episode is going to be the two biggest fans of James Bond <laughs> 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 talking about James Bond, and uh, by that I mean uh, you know I, we have I'm, reservations. I'm, I think. Yeah, I'm, we have. I, I'm going to say we haven't really talked about James Bond too much, you and I, but I, I'm going to say we both have a real love-hate relationship with the with the character. You know, here's the thing. You know, in the last, in a couple episodes ago, we talked about uh, Cinderfella, the Jerry Lewis mm -hmm. movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and in Cinderfella, if you missed that great episode, uh, 
you know, there, there, there's this whole scene where the fairy godfather talks about how Cinderella ruined, like, everything for men because women now have, like, way too high an expectation, which, you know, is, like, fucking <laughs> ridiculous. <laughs> like, that's our expectation? Great. To be, like, a slave and then get, like, whisked away? Wonderful. Yes, that's what all women want. Mm-hmm. But um, personally, my own personal Cinderella, I think, is James Bond. Like, like I want to make a movie that's just about how James Bond has ruined it because it's ruined all men for, <laughs> for women. <laughs> like, I, I just, there's, it's so, it's, it's the definition of toxic masculinity and it's the definition of just, like, like wildly inappropriate and wildly bizarre male gaze-based, you know, just, just craziness. And I like James Bond when it just goes full-on crazy. Yeah. That's what I like. Well, let me pl- let me play devil's advocate for a second here and just say that anytime you James Bond interacts with a woman uh on screen, like whether he jumps into bed with her or not, she's like you see her thinking, "Oh man, I got to I got to get him in the sack." Right. So it's I mean, it's in a way, it's it's exploring the the female gaze there a bit too, and uh, you know Sean Connery has his shirt off a lot. I really I've got I've gotten to know Sean Connery's back hair really well in the past week. <laughs> How about that 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 nice little uh, um, jumpsuit he's wearing in Goldfinger? <laughs> <laughs> Is it powder blue? It seems like he wears powder yep. blue all the time. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's the thing. Here's the thing about that. Uh, you know, and it's true. It, it, you know, you can't say that the women aren't willing, even though there's plenty of that sort of, uh, you know, unwilling, but slap them a couple times and then they're into it. <laughs> you know, as all women are. Um, but uh, it, but it also it, it exists in such a, you know, it's its own bubble. Like this doesn't. There's no. I, I mean. And it's weird because it's such a weird bubble that it was that got created by you know Ian Fleming. I mean, now let's can, can we talk about Ian Fleming for a second? We don't have to talk. Yeah, about Yeah, I mean, I can't long. I can't contribute anything. I haven't read any of his novels or anything, but yeah, talk about Ian Fleming for a little bit. I actually haven't read the books either, and I I should. Um, that's something I I'm actually pretty interested in in doing, and so I I probably should do that. But I mean, like he. <laughs> He was a weird guy. He was this like sort of, uh, in my mind, I, I think he was manic depressive. He was definitely a depressive person. He never, uh, he never, he was in the Navy. He never actually saw uh, any action. And then he ended up moving to Jamaica and he lived in a, in a house that he called Goldeneye, which is amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he also then, and he wrote these books and, and basically what they were is, you know, the, the pent up, desires of a an Englishman <laughs> it, it really was just you know everything that that he he wanted you know very much this sort of idea of nothing's enough that everything needs to be conquered and that a man's place is to conquer women it's to conquer lands it's to conquer things it's this very sort of militaristic attitude and it's everything I think he desired in the military that he never actually got to do and yeah. well, post post World War Two Britain, I already I already uh, gave you my my theory on that that Bond is just uh, the Britain's answer to being left out of the Cold War. I think I I, I think that's part of it. It's it's this sort of hunger, this desire, and then you know as a, a, and, and it's also like this is the same attitude which has like ruined nations, and like <laughs> you know brought about most pain and suffering in the world. Quite frankly, but I, he seemed kind of manic depressive. He was an alcoholic. Um, you know, he smoked, uh, you know, 500 packs a day kind of guy. And, um, he wrote this book where, which was just expressing every desire he had about women and, and, you know, what he wanted to do. He took the name James Bond from a book that was written about, um, birds. And he, he was, <laughs> he wanted like a, a flat bland name. And so he saw this, like the, the birds of the West Indies by James Bond. And he was like, perfect. So <laughs> <laughs> he apparently wrote everything on a golden typewriter you know it was like this total wow. like <laughs> it all comes together 
That's why you've got Goldfinger and the man with the golden gun and golden eye. Uh, yeah, he wrote that book and it got this sort of like, you know, mixed reception where, where men loved it. He wanted to dedicate it to his wife and his wife said, screw you. <laughs> <laughs> she hated it. She thought it was the most The first book was, was Casino Royale, right? Yes, I believe so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, it's sort of, I, so, so I feel like that, that's the problem is that it was this sort of pent up and very British, quite frankly, you know, that, that all of this desire that and even expressing or hinting at expressing this desire, let alone slapping someone and then taking it, <laughs> was, is, is so radical for 1960s England. It's even almost radical for England today. So, I mean, like, I, you know, in, in some ways, it, I'm like, for him personally, if this was like his safe space to like feel a bunch of shit where he was not allowed <laughs> to feel... Uh, in the real world, then you know what? Power to you, man. Like, I feel like I understand well, the, the desire. And and what's important here is that, that Ian Fleming's fantasy is turned out to be the world's fantasy, or at least all the, the world's men's fantasy, and they drag their girlfriends and wives along to, to, uh, to experience their, their fantasies with them. But these movies were huge and they you know it's it's the the series is still going on today as as I, I don't have to mention but it's like James Bond has captured the imagination of the entire world and has you know he hit the screens in 1962 and he you know he hasn't slowed down since like it still lives and it still resonates and it's still what a lot of people want every man wants to be James Bond every woman wants to sleep with James Bond it's as simple as that <laughs> do they <laughs> <laughs> well all right as as uh you know the resident man here at at cinema 60 what is your personal relationship to James Bond have you have you uh looked up to James uh, Bond he's a dick I hate <laughs> I hate James Bond. <laughs> he I I um I I had a lot of trouble getting through the Sean Connery James Bond movies. Like each each one was was progressively more grueling than the last. Like he's it's just such <laughs> it doesn't it doesn't resonate for me at all this this fantasy i mean the i i already addressed what the real issue is here that there's no character development at all this guy is a hero and he he jumps into whatever situation and he you know gets captured multiple times but in the end he somehow manages to escape and defeat the bad guy and he sleeps with several women along the way and that's what every single movie is you you get actually you get some nice some really nice, like, tourist vistas, some, like, there's a lot of nice world travel in these movies that I was kind of enjoying. I was watching them on Blu-ray, so the, yeah. you know, the high-definition Jamaica and Tokyo and, and you know, all the all the places he visits in the 60s. It was, it, was, it was fun to see all those places and, you know, looking so beautiful, but it's, um, yeah, his, his adventures were just so tedious. I'd, there's nothing at stake in, in in any of these movies, and it it's just there's nothing to nothing to keep you going. You just you have to be the kind of person who's waiting for the next the next beautiful woman to to come on screen or the next explosion to happen to to enjoy these movies and and I don't. <laughs> You know, and, and until until George Lazenby shows up in 1969 for Her Majesty's Secret Service, and he like James Bond falls in love, and he's got you know he finds a woman who's who's kind of his match finally, and he there's some character development, and she has some character development, and you know, and he has that glorious ruffle shirt which I'm looking at right <laughs> now. <laughs> he yeah he um, he's. He's he's got some good outfits. He he looks like uh, you know part of Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club band. Well, you know that that was why he he quit Bond was that he he felt self conscious basically. Like he thought he looked like a cop with his haircut at the time when Easy Rider was was the you know the top movie, and he basically That's gave Connery it all quit? up. No, Lazenby. Oh. <laughs> 
he totally oh, screwed up. You know, he was just like, yeah, I can't do this. Like, he was like, I was getting laid, and then I stopped getting laid, and I had to quit. <laughs> oh, wow, that's funny. I just thought that, I mean, he's he's kind of a charisma vacuum, so I thought that was the problem with Lazenby. <laughs> that's why they begged Sean Connery to come back, because nobody... Do you know the story of how Lazenby got the job, though? No, no, not at all. Oh, my gosh, he, he never acted in his life. He saw James Bond, and he thought, wow, that's how you get laid. He then showed up at the offices, like, knowing that Connery wasn't going to be there, and, and literally dodged the, the front desk woman, ran into the office, I think of Harry Saltzman, and then <laughs> said, I'm your new Bond. And he said, really? And he said, yep, that's me. And he said, where, where, where have you acted before? He made up a whole bunch of shit in different countries because he thought they wouldn't check it. He basically got through to, uh, I believe, um, at least on set to do a camera test where finally, I believe the director was like, so what have you acted in? And he was straightforward. He said, I've never acted a day in my life. And they, and, and he laughed at him and he said, you know what? All right, fine. Fuck it. Like, let's just do this. <laughs> And wow, he got the job. Me... <laughs> he got the job. And then he did this completely. And it was literally just to get laid. And because he wanted to be James Bond. And of course, he, and he, and he got laid like a ton <laughs> just for doing this. He could get in anywhere because he was James Bond. And then he quit. And, and at the premiere, he shows up with this like beard and long hair. And they fired him because they were like, you're not looking like the Bond we want you to look like. But he wanted to look like the kids. He wanted to be like his generation and totally screwed up his career. <laughs> That's funny. Although it also addresses what I noticed about Bond that I'd never really noticed before uh, on this time through these movies is that he's not, he's, he's never been part of the, you know, the, the now generation, he's always been an old man. Like I had this yeah. assumption, like I grew up with, with, um, with Roger Moore as James Bond and, and I, you know, I loved him as James Bond, but he always seemed like, you know, kind of an old man who was, you know, a little out of, out of his time. Like he was, you know, he's a man from the sixties who's, who's trying to make his way in the, you know, trying to, trying to, defeat the bad guys in the late seventies, early eighties. And, and I just assumed that, you know, Sean Connery was like, you know, the kids were, were totally, were totally hip to that stuff in the sixties. Like they were, they all, you know, they all were, were on, on his wavelength, but it's, it's not the case at all. Like Sean Connery was, he was of the, of the previous generation. He's not, James Bond was not, for the kids, he was for the kids' dads. He was definitely the the Frank Sinatra, not the Peter Fonda. Right. I mean, these. I mean, the books were written in the fifties, and it took ages for them to even turn into movies because of the fact I think that they were uh, ahead of their time and their like sleaziness. <laughs> you know, it wasn't like. And then even when when this all happened in the sixties, yeah, it feels a little dated for the sixties in a in a weird way, but also like. It is this weird fantasy bubble, and I can 100%. I like I 100% understand why James Bond is such a phenomenon, especially for men. I mean, it's really it's just like the total fantasy of everything revolves around you, and you're perfect, and you know how to solve everything, and you get to do everything that's super cool, and it's like the newest technology. Like it's it's every like checkbox of of what we, we currently define men as, you know, the sort of gadgets, sex, and, and uh, violence. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that never goes away. That's every generation, I suppose. Yeah, all right. Well, how do you, so like, what did you feel about Dr. No in particular? I think Dr. No is actually a pretty solid movie. I mean, it's, it's racist and hardcore sexist. <laughs> <laughs> it's a, it's a, it's a seriously stupid movie, but I, I, I was really enjoying myself watching it. I was like, oh yeah, these are great. I'm going to love going through these James Bond movies. 
and it pretty much lasted, you know, through the first two. And I was like, holy shit, I can't believe I've got so many more of these to watch. <laughs> but, I mean, it's a dumb movie. Like, the... <laughs> it's... I mean, why... What is the point of Honey Rider? She's a seashell collector who just shows up and spends the rest of the movie in, in her bikini? Like, what's... Ur- Ursula Andress is... <laughs> She she has no function whatsoever in the movie other than boobs. <laughs> <laughs> Which I unfortunately I think is her function in most movies. Because when she gets anything that's that's slightly beyond boobs, she's actually kinda great. I actually kinda like I like her for Well, you for love what the tenth is. victim. That's that's your favorite movie, right? The it tenth, is. tenth victim. That's my favorite movie. But wait, so do you have uh do you have like a, a, a plot rundown of Doctor No? Oh, are or we gonna do that? Did no. You I, well, you okay. Do there's that. this, there's this half this half Chinese guy named Doctor No who um, wants to disrupt the space program in the U.S. and the USSR, maybe with radio waves or something. I don't know. There's radioactivity <laughs> on this island and near Jamaica and. Uh, nobody's allowed to go near the island, and there's a dragon, but it turns out to be just a truck that breathes fire. Uh, we've got uh, Felix Leiter. Is that his name? Felix, anyway. Who's um, I love Felix because he's played by a different guy in every movie, but he's uh, he's Jack Lord in this movie, who's who's the guy from the original Hawaii Five-0. It's, it's the first one, and it's kind of charming because... It's the first of its kind, and it's kind of amazing how much of all the the, the James Bond uh, traditions are already in place with this first movie. I mean, yeah, like like Doctor No, I, it, it's pretty well paced. You have all these big changes of scenery, like Sean Connery. He is like a suave dude. You know, it's Saltzman and Broccoli, but the two families actually that are really close. Like James Bond brought them together. I think that they all grew up together and have like a whole bond. Um, mm-hmm. a bond bond <laughs> yes uh-huh. but um, they, they chose uh, Connery because um, I believe it was Broccoli's wife who he turned to her and said is he sexy is he sexy enough to pull this off and she said yeah absolutely and I don't like Sean Connery <laughs> I, I mean like he's not unsexy like he's not unattractive he's attractive but I feel like he walks this line you know, a decisive man that that's very attractive. Mm-hmm. And then there's this fine line between that and a rapist. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's not above rape. Pussy galore. I'm going to, I'm going to call that rape. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, you haven't watched these too recently, but there, there are a few, there are a few, uh, love scenes that, uh, there's there's definitely nothing you could call love involved in them. Well, the um, I just actually watched Thunderball before uh, we recorded because that was I remember that was my favorite one, which apparently um, I think did great at the box office, but it has since been downgraded by fans as being not as good. Except the reason why Thunderball is the best is because it is batshit crazy. <laughs> <laughs> It literally, I mean, it opens with him punching a woman in the face who turns out to be a man in drag. And then they, they like, throw China at each other. And then he gets, like, he runs out of this fancy building, puts on a jetpack, and flies up into the sky as men shoot at him. And I was thinking as watching this again, I was like, how freaking funny would it be? If he actually just got shot and then just flew away while still dead. That's my humor. And then the next, 
the next scene they're they're like down in the car and then like the car shoots water out at the guys and then the opening scene happens which is of course always as crazy as all of the bond opening uh, titles are like that i mean that alone that like that's all of austin yeah. powers in 15 minutes <laughs> you mostly get uh actors names projected on bare female flesh for for the uh for the opening credits in this period the thing about those opening titles is that they're so promising and then the movies do not always deliver. Like <laughs> I have a big problem with Goldfinger because I had so many wonderful expectations for Goldfinger. And then when you finally watch it, you realize that the insanity of the opening theme is just never realized. And this, uh, this Goldfinger that, that Shirley Bassey is singing so passionately about is kind of a lame, like <laughs> asshole cheats at cards, like total, total loser who who just goldfinger i hate goldfinger i mean the part <laughs> part part of it is is you know the whole familiarity breeds contempt sort of thing like i think that's the that's the connery bond i know best and it's it's lame you know what the lamest thing about that movie is like these the, the huge appeal of these james bond movies is you go to these exotic locations and see these beautiful places and like half this movie is set in like strip mall uh, Louisville, <laughs> yeah. Kentucky. It's yeah. like so gross. Like there's nothing to see in that movie. It's like the 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 CIA is just hanging out and like the Kentucky Fried Chicken the whole, half the movie. <laughs> and they only paint one woman gold. What's the whole freaking <laughs> yeah. point? Like I'm like it'd yeah. be one thing if that's like his thing. That's how he kills people. No, he does it once, and it makes absolutely no sense. And that woman did probably die from having all that gold paint on her. <laughs> and then the opening titles are full of gold women, and we don't get any of that. You know, like, I, I, like, I want that redone. I want that remade. I don't know why the heck we've done 500 Casino Royales. That's, like, the worst one. Yeah. I do like Daniel Craig as Bond, though. He's got a little more depth than any of these other guys. But I watched that movie and thought... They've they've realized that James Bond is a cold blooded killer, and they are exploring that aspect of the character a little bit. So that's that's why I kind of like the darkness of these Daniel Craig movies a little bit. I, it's whenever James Bond is serious that that's what turns me off. Whenever they take it too seriously, and but <laughs> but you're right. I mean, like if they're going to acknowledge him as a cold blooded killer. The other problem I have, quite frankly, is I don't know how to play any of these card games except for blackjack. And so whenever, <laughs> like, half of the, the movie hinges on, like, you caring about the results of a card game and poker, like, I don't know what the hell's happening. Like, it just, it loses. <laughs> and, like, I have no interest in learning how to play poker. I assume that the way that you could afford your sweet Brooklyn apartment was because you were an expert Baccarat player and that you <laughs> you know you really know what you're doing at those tables. from russia with love i i want to know what your opinion is having you just watched all of these movies all at once i thought from russia with love was like kind of bad and this is something that apparently uh james bond fans seem to think is the height of connery i would agree it is the height of connery um, what i i hate to i hate to agree with bond fans but it's uh 
Yeah, I mean, he just seems he's a little more human in this, and the and the movie doesn't seem to revolve around like crazy gadgets and stuff. It's actually Spectre, I think, is much more interesting than James Bond because it's this like huge international criminal agency that uh, like has their finger in every pie in every country in every continent and just is like you know extorting money from everybody and just has these like, all these crazy insane plans and Ernst Blofeld is the is number one and you get to meet number two and number three and number four. I'm not really sure what the ultimate goal is for anybody in this um, but but it's um, you know you can't trust anybody and, and Russians are bad but Spectre's <laughs> even worse. I don't know it doesn't matter none of, none of it none of it matters. <laughs> James Bond is gonna live. There's his you know, I used to have a problem with, with James Bond because I because I thought, oh, this is supposed to take place in the real world, and these things are supposed to be, like, vaguely possible. But no, James Bond is a superhero, and you know what his superpower is? Sex. He has this power to... to Bang women? To, to create... Well, no, I mean, that's... <laughs> James Bond's superpower is to convince supervillains that they shouldn't kill him. Mm. Like, movie after movie after movie, like, all they have to do, all the villains have to do is put a bullet in James Bond's head, like, right then and there. Like, <laughs> hundreds of times there's this opportunity to kill James Bond, but they don't. And I know this is an Austin Powers joke, too, but it's ridiculous. Like, there's so many times they could kill James Bond, but they keep him alive for some, like... You know, there's always some line of dialogue explaining why they're keeping James Bond alive, but it never makes any sense at all. They should just put a bullet in his head, but they never, ever, ever, ever do. And that's his superpower. Keeping people from putting a bullet in his head when that's absolutely the smartest thing to do. I, you're right. It is a superpower. Like, that's it. It's not even anything else. Like, he... He like seduces women that are are will like are willing to be seduced. So that's not much of a superpower. It is it is that like like middle aged overweight like pan Eastern European men of ambiguous sexuality just <laughs> believe everything that James Bond says because that's every single villain. Mm -hmm. There's not there's no variation from that. Like I, I don't really know. I mean besides like general like xenophobia. <laughs> <laughs> and homo homophobia, like I don't really know what that's about either. Oh, there's some, there's some, um, there's some great, really, really great um, uh, of offensive Asian stereotypes in uh, You Only Live Twice, but, oh. uh, but we'll, I guess we'll get, we'll get to that. No, let's talk about it right now. <laughs> Japanese version of uh, of M invites James Bond to his um, personal bathhouse where you've got uh, a dozen women who are who are servicing uh, the, the the two of them and 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 Tiger the uh, the Japanese M says, oh your 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 English girls would never do this for you would they, because in Japan uh, we know that that men come first. <laughs> <laughs> Which is unfortunately, uh, you know, not untrue. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like as if that wasn't an issue in England at the time either. But uh... I think I think I love you only live twice in the same way that you love diamonds are forever. It's just so absurdly offensive and ridiculous, and and every 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 crazy thing you want James Bond to be, like I, I, is in that movie, and I think that's. That's why I like that one more than Goldfinger or Thunderball. It just really 
turns it up a notch for that movie, which was written by Roald Dahl. By yes, Dahl. I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty questionable. And I feel like it, it's one of these things where, like, I guess if you didn't know anything about Japan, it would be a lot of fun, you know, uh, <laughs> barring that you were, like, a white Western, uh, probably man, you know, maybe woman. Uh, but, yeah, the plot, I, I, I like... Do you, is there a plot here? I, like I, this, I don't remember. I, I barely remember. Oh, the plot this, of this this is a major plot. This one I can actually give you. I, I can, I can uh, in, encapsulate for you pretty easily. So Spectre is sending these capsules into space to grab U.S. and USSR um, um, astronauts in their in their space capsules to start World War III between US, the U.S. and USSR. Like, it's, you know, it's always kind of been sort of hinted at it all in all of these movies, that there's that they're trying to start, you know, turn the Cold War into an actual war. But this one is very specifically about, about this, um, you know, Spectre's got this, this rocket, and the, 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 the front opens up, and uh, and grabs these these orbiting capsules out of space and then brings them back down into their hollowed out volcano, and uh, and uh, you know hold, puts the puts the uh, the U.S. and the U.S.S.R. astronauts in in uh, in a in, in a cage and um, you know they're trying to start World War Three for for some for some reason for some kind of profit. One million dollars. Yeah, <laughs> and this is the one where you actually meet. Uh, Ernst Stavro Blofeld, and uh, he's played by Donald Pleasance with some pretty unconvincing uh, eye scar makeup. Um, previously, in in in, t- in the two previous movies, he uh, he's just you see him stroking his cap, but you never see his face. He actually appears in this movie. Wow. Um, this is also the movie where James Bond gets converted into a Japanese man. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. By um, there's some, his his hair is colored, is is colored black and combed down. He's got some, you know, not very serious. Like you, you'd think they would really go extreme with with the with the eye stuff, but they don't get they don't go too far with that. Um, and uh, yeah, it's um, he's he's the most unconvincing Japanese man ever. <laughs> It's uh, it's hard to take offense really when they when they turn him Japanese because he really just looks like James Bond with his hair combed down. I I just don't I don't understand why these um, Asian stereotypes were acceptable for so long. <laughs> in which like at a point where like you know in in sixty five like at least Hollywood decided that blackface wasn't okay, but like yellowface was still acceptable. Mm-hmm. And it's just like but not really for, not for much longer, but it yeah, it was still okay. It's really Marlon Brando was doing it. <laughs> yeah, well Brando's a he's like a weirdo on his own. He has a whole bunch of weird shit about race in general, but actually, you know, the one thing I know about you only live twice is that the trivia is that when they were shooting it in Japan, it was a media sensation. And, uh, uh, Sean Connery, like that, that's like when Sean Connery sold out (laughs) in as far as the bond stuff, uh, because essentially that he was being hounded by the media to a point where uh, this the story goes that he went to go take a, a crap <laughs> in the bathroom and then looked up as he was sitting on the toilet to the the one like you know small window in the room and saw a photographer uh, pointing his camera at him and lost his shit uh, in many ways <laughs> and <laughs> literally <laughs> <laughs> yeah no it's sort of interesting. Because I like I don't know I I feel like that's a real forgettable film. Yeah. Unlike Thunderball. <laughs> <laughs> What's the plot of Thunderball? I'm try- like I mean I just watched it, but it doesn't matter. I, I he's they steal some they they get some guy to have plastic surgery to look like this pilot who oh, is. Yeah. Um, who who has who flies a plane that's got nuclear weapons and then the number two 
whatever his name is, Largo, is, uh, is um, you know, steals these nuclear weapons and is going to, is threatening to bomb some U.S. or a U.K. city. It's, it's, he's very unspecific about what he's going to do with these nuclear weapons, but if, if they don't pay up. Um, but yeah, but you get some, you get some underwater harpoon fights. Oh my God. Half of this movie's underwater. Like, like, which is also actually also quite frankly, the best part of this movie is that it is just so the action is so slow (laughs) because they are all underwater. They also shoot a shark, which I'm not very happy about, but they definitely Mm -hmm. shoot a shark in the face in this movie and just film that. That was not faked. There was no definitely there was not. no 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 animals were harmed in the making of this movie. Uh, oh no! At the end of this movie, yeah, and you, and you can't tell who's shooting who, or I mean, they're all the the you know the bad guys are one color and the good guys are another color, so you know when when you know you know if it's a bad guy or a good guy getting harpooned, but it's really like that you know talk about nothing at stake. Like you don't know who any of these people in scuba gear are, and they're just getting shot with harpoons in the eyeball and and it's this yeah it's this this huge action set piece set underwater and and you really could not care less about what's happening which is your favorite of the sean connery oh you already said it was thunderball uh of 1960 it's it's thunderball because thunderball just doesn't take itself seriously but you know what i'm sitting here i'm watching uh the lazenby one like this one a lot so why do you like this i one? do i um it's not it's not even a quarter as sleazy despite the fact that that when he goes up to blofeld's um you know allergy clinic up in the up in the swiss alps it's like there's there are a dozen like it's only sexy women <laughs> yeah beautiful he's, he's got a like harem and 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 bond sleeps you know maybe it's maybe it's only you know two or three of them like that's he only sleeps with two or three of them so it's not like he goes through all of them (laughs) but uh yeah just despite that the you know of of, you know these these beautiful women of all nationalities are are in this uh this allergy clinic that blofeld is running which is really secretly a uh a chemical warfare or bacteria warfare uh lab um, it's, uh, you know, James Bond falls in love and Diana Rigg is great as Tracy or Countess Teresa. And, uh, and when they, they, and they get married at the end, um, I, Not for long. I guess I'm, I, I guess I'm allowed to say that this, this movie has a huge bummer of an ending because James Bond, James Bond's wife gets murdered like two minutes after they get married. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But you've got to do that because it's James Bond. He's got to be, he's got to be free. He's got to be able to sleep with whoever he wants to sleep. You can't marry that guy off. But it's it's a real bummer of an ending, and I, I I'm a, I'm a sucker for that. But even like I just like that that he's got like he sees this woman and and he thinks oh there's you know there's something more to her than any of these other like you know countless. You know, interchangeable women that I've been sleeping with, and and you you sort of care about James Bond in a way that you never do in any of these because he actually like seems like a human being in it as opposed to Connery's Bond where he's just like this big woman slapping sleazeball. I like yep. it was really intriguing to listen to you say that as I watched the scene where someone just fell into like a snowblower and it was oh, basically yeah. like Fargo. Yeah, all right, that's fair. I I think that like it was a little too little too late for me. <laughs> well, 
Well, you 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 also didn't get to hear the the snappy line that Bond has after that happens, which is he had a lot of guts. Oh, gee. <laughs> <laughs> See, I like stuff like that. Quite frankly, like that's far more endearing to me than when he tries to be too serious. Though at Lazenby, apparently, um, reading this book, he said he cried at the ending. Uh, with with uh, you know the wife uh, you know getting murdered and all that, I I just I have a hard time in general believing that people can sort of change on a dime like that. That he would that he would get married and be like oh the sanctity of marriage or whatever. <laughs> like he would I think he would they... super sleep with people. <laughs> like he would be like lady that's my job I got I got to do this right. Like there's no way. There's no way that Sean Connery could have pulled it off, but because they switched Bonds for this movie, like when he cries at the end over Tracy's dead body saying, oh, we'll have forever, like it's, you believe it. It's genuinely moving, but, you know, maybe that's just because I'm a man and I understand the, the what, it, what it means to be James Bond or something. <laughs> 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 I'm not laughing at you, but I'm laughing at you. No, uh, well, uh, all right, I guess. <laughs> I I just uh, I, I liked it. You know what? You know what my favorite part was. You know, there's so many ridiculous action scenes in these all these James Bond movies, but my favorite is in this movie where Diana Rigg is driving the car. And they try to escape the bad guys by like, like, going into this this car race. And she so there's there are these there's this car chase in the middle of a a car race that's happening in you know this this Swiss village, and and it's really entertaining. And I, some you know some of it has to do with the fact that Diana Rigg is the one driving the car, but it's really exciting and it made me laugh. And it's what. I think they wanted from every one of these ridiculous action scenes, ridiculous set pieces in all these James Bond movies, but it really works in On Her Majesty's Secret Service. And it, it just, you know, I was I was really, like, I think it's my favorite action set piece in any of these movies is when Diana Rigg is, is trying to escape the, the baddies in the middle of this car race. And there's just you care about these characters so much more than you do in any of the other Bond movies. Like there, there is something at stake, and that's what it really boils down to. It's there's there's something at stake in this movie, and I can't stress how important that is. I would think for most people watching movies, but it you know, based on the popularity of of all these Connery Bonds, like I guess people don't care that there's nothing at stake. They don't care that there's no way James Bond is going to die. They don't care that the plot makes no sense. They don't care that he will not evolve from the beginning of the movie to the end of the movie. They just want to see stuff blowing up. But On Her Majesty's Secret Service is a little different, and I really like it for that reason. podcast that you had a uh, love-hate relationship with Bond. <laughs> Please explain. Like where um, where where do we stand here as as uh you know the um the two uh you know people obsessed with the 60s. It's it is quite hard. It's hard to say that I hate James Bond because I don't. Like I do enjoy these movies. I don't know that I enjoy them the same way that James Bond fans enjoy these movies, but, uh, you know, like they, they are worth watching if nothing, if for nothing else than that they are culturally significant and that they get referenced enough that you should probably watch them so that you know just what people are saying when they talk about James Bond. That's it. I mean, you, anybody who hasn't seen the Sean Connery Bonds, needs to see them just to understand how, why movies are what they are now. It's, 
something as simple as a a car getting nicked by a bullet just suddenly bursting into flames, like exploding. <laughs> like that James Bond invented that. That's why you've seen it for the last you know, fifty years, is because James Bond movies decided that all you have to do is shoot a car. You know, a a, a car can you know start to fall off a cliff and like not even hit anything, but like halfway, you know, in midair, falling down a cliff, just suddenly burst into <laughs> in, into flame, just explode for no reason like that. That's that's from James Bond. You 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 may not have known it, but but James Bond invented that. I mean, I'm watching um, this the, like right now, this Lazenby where they're like bobsledding and and fighting as they're doing the. You know, it's like this is just this is just so crazy, and even and, and like it's like sixties. It's also like sixties crazy in that you know that they had to like shoot this several times from several different angles, and like half of them are fake. And very overtly fake, and then half of them are real. <laughs> oh yeah, with the rear projection, the yeah. rear projection is really entertaining in these Bond movies. It's like you you get a lot of like really good action done by stunt people in 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 long shots, but then it'll do a close up with Bond and you know whoever the Bond girl is with him at the time, and it's the worst rear projection in these movies. Like, it's it's. It's kind of insane that that these movies could get away with that, um, but yeah, I don't. I mean, I think growing up in the eighties, I uh, I loved James Bond. You know, the Spy Who Loved Me, and uh, and uh, um, For Your Eyes Only were were a couple of my favorites. And so you did love James Bond. Yeah, but. It was as a kid, and even like as Roger Moore got older, like you know, Octopussy and 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 those movies, I, uh, I, you know, I wasn't I wasn't that interested. I realized that oh, these movies are pretty formulaic. There's nothing that interesting about them. I did see The Living Daylights, the first Timothy Dalton, James Bond movie in the theater. I think that was the only. I think. No, actually, I saw Skyfall in the theater, but but uh, I saw I think Skyfall that, in the theater day. by myself. I was just yeah. like, I made the executive decision <laughs> that I'm gonna go see Skyfall, having not cared, mm-hmm. having hated Casino Royale to the point that I alienated several friends. <laughs> I was like, I'm gonna go see Skyfall. Yeah, this is a good decision, and and actually like really enjoyed it. I like Skyfall was good. It has a ton of faults. But uh, yeah, that was, like, yeah. fun. I enjoyed it. It was a good mix of craziness with uh, character building. Yeah. Yeah, there was some character work in that movie, and, and I that goes a long way for me in any James Bond movie. Yeah, I mean, James Bond is a, it's a wet dream. It, it's just a wet dream. And, like, I, I can almost respect it in the sense that, you know, I don't, I don't have a problem with people expressing fantasy, especially through movies. Like that, that to me is exactly where you're meant to express fantasy. But then the problem mm-hmm. is when you get, you know, it's like, the, it's the Cinderfella thing. It's like when then you get men who think that like, oh, this is how life should be. And now granted, it's not like James Bond invented that concept. Like men already thought that, that, that they were entitled. And then James Bond came out and further like, you know, gave, it gave them like a, you know, a, a path to follow of entitlement, uh, you know, that, was already there. <laughs> What's the female equivalent, though? Is the Cinderella story the female equivalent? Is Pretty Woman the, the like female equivalent of James Bond? Like what? I a- think the the problem. I mean, no. James Bond is doing far better than Cinderella. I mean, like mm-hmm. that that Cinderella is basically a slave and then gets rescued from being a slave to then being a princess. Like, yeah, you know, like, she never should have been a slave to begin with. Like, Pretty Woman, it's also from being a prostitute to being, you know, like, accepted as a human being. I think that's a good question in general. I think that, like, whether or not, what what is the, the female fantasy? It's like we haven't even had the space and time to really consider what could be uh, a female utopian society. Uh, because, because we're already, uh, you know, trying to desperately... Uh, you know, jockey for a position in already a male society. So it's kind of a hard question. It's interesting, you know. 
I mean, in some ways, uh, I, I do think that like a lot of things that are, are male centric would not show up in a female society <laughs> personally. Um, but I don't know. It, it is interesting because like it, you don't you don't want to subjugate men. But then if you want to compare it, you have to because there is no comparison. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's I mean, tough. I think the real problem is just that masculine values have been valued over, you know, traditionally feminine values for, you know, eternity since the since the dawn of time. And so it's. It's like oh, equality means that women have to compete on a on a male level, and we really just need to sort of we need to start to value these you know female fantasies, whether it's like a gross Cinderella fantasy or not. Like, you know what? <laughs> you know, but it's hard. It's, it's hard the, to it's say. It's valid though. Like, so what? You know, it's it's a valid fantasy. There are women who would just like to be rescued from this world and be turned into a princess, you know, you know, just by being, you know, just by having a man with a lot of money, you know, you take them up and, and turn them into a princess. And I, I mean, don't that think exists. that that's any worse than the, the James Bond fantasy of being able to sleep with any woman that you choose and shoot any person that you want and to, like, you know, be... Um, unkillable by any enemy like it's all just gross fantasy and the 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 i don't i don't know why their their values placed on the grossness of of female fantasies versus the grossness of male fantasies i think you're you're valid in that that james bond is not any better than cinderella because they're equivalent for sure they're 100 percent. i mean like james like any man who thinks he's manly for liking James Bond is about as feminine as a woman who loves Cinderella. <laughs> you know, I mean, to say that, like, these were the, from the dawn of time is a little tough for me because, uh, you know, like, our, our concept of gender always changes. And, 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 you know, like, even down to that, the Victorians uh, thought that pink was for boys and blue was for girls kind of crap. You know, like, th- this isn't, none of this is hardwired. That women can wear pants and men can't wear skirts because that's, you know, that's gay, quote unquote, right? Or that that's feminine. And then, I mean, here we have Sean Connery. They, you know, he wears a skirt, but he's still he's still Mr. Man's man. You know, well, it takes I, George Lazenby to put uh, Bond in a skirt, actually. Yeah, that's true. He he, and then he has a good scene where a woman reaches right under his skirt and gets exactly what she wants. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Well, you know what? At the same time, I can relate to the the Cinderella fantasy. Like, I mean, maybe that makes me less masculine to admit this, but I bet a lot of men, if they were really willing to admit it, would would say that, sure, yeah, I would love to have some, you know, rich person come along and provide for me in every way so I could just concentrate on the things that I enjoy and not have to worry about any of this like day-to-day crap like I don't want to you know I don't want to have to go to work every day who wants to do that I would love to have some rich person to just you know take take care of me who doesn't yeah. want that that's that's I, literally the american dream <laughs> <laughs> so you know i i guess it goes both ways i just think that there's our our society allows women to indulge in bond fantasies but uh, doesn't doesn't allow men to indulge in cinderella fantasies do you think because women get called sluts that's the thing you can't you know if you if you sit there and 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 sleep with whoever you want like that you're also demonized so it's kind of a bummer but i mean granted if that's men changing to, too Eh, it is and it is. I mean, like it is, and it, like this, we are making progress one hundred percent. But it's we're still not out of the woods. Kind <laughs> of youngian here with the with these uh, like uh, you know these Bond and these Cinderella fantasies are always all playing into this you know collective unconscious that uh, you know that Carl Jung likes to talk about. Um, and it's you know these 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 deep these deep fantasies these deep you know these deep myths that that are part of who every everybody in the world uh, that that are all part of all of our 
you know, subconscious. They're, they, 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 they play a role. And I think that's why James Bond is so long-lasting, that he is playing into this, this mythology that, that we all that we all kind of understand and we, 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 we understand what the fantasy is and he, he keeps, you know, there are minor adjustments that get made to this James Bond fantasy through the years, but it's, you know, it's, it's basically, you know, Hercules. It's, it's, you know, whatever, whatever myth you want to relate it to. It's, it's he's the, you know, the, the, the masculine superhero. Um, and, and it'll all, it'll, you know, with with minor adjustments to to account for the times we're living in now, it'll it'll always be there. Yeah, I think I think that's really what it comes down to is just the acknowledgement. Because it's funny because we're you're right we're in this era where these things have flipped, and yet we're still sort of just that we're not like I just I just want everyone to acknowledge that this is just as dopey as you know the female uh, you know the the cliche female equivalent. You know, mm-hmm. like, that's what I want. Like, I just want everyone to acknowledge it. Because you're going to get so many, like, Bond collectors and Bond trivia and Bond whatever, like, these super serious men. And then if you do that with women, it gets trivialized. And it's like, well, I want to I wanna trivialize the Bond stuff <laughs> before I can turn around and, and, and be okay but, with it. But by Malibu, Barbies are worth so much money. But they are. Dude, Barbie <laughs> is fucking cool. You look at, like, Barbie in comparison to all this stuff. Like, 60s Barbie has some awesome outfits. There's some websites now that are making that, that 60s Barbie clothing that they're making for grown-ass women. And I am, like, very tempted. <laughs> I am very tempted to buy it, even though Barbie style does not really reflect my personal style. But it is cool. I'm like, man, this is great. I love that this exists. And I'm glad that women are acknowledging it, but I just, you know, I just want men to acknowledge it. I just want to rub it in their face a little bit, I guess. But it's okay. I mean, women can say, "Oh, why, do, why, why don't, why don't I have a bo- body like Barbie?" And I can say, "Why don't I have a body like Sean Connery?" It's do you? Yeah. You know, <laughs> like, do you I, actively I did this, think about this that? week? This week, I've I've thought, oh, he's he's. He's uh, he's quite he's quite a man. He's got uh, <laughs> he's got some stature there. He's he's a he's a he's a big he's a big piece of meat. I haven't seen you for six months. I'll be there in an hour. I'll tell him. Hey, your old case sounds interesting, James. Uh, make that an hour and a half. Uh, about that lunch. What, what, what do you what do you what do you think about uh, James Bond's influence, um, movie wise? Oh man, there there are so many James Bond spinoffs. Uh, it's straight up, it's crazy, and it's still ha- the fact that it's still happening. <laughs> you know, like like to this day, and never mind even James Bond sequels. I mean, you even have like those. Um, the OSS one one seven, which was a nineteen sixties French James Bond spinoff, that then got remade into these uh, Jean de Jardin uh, French comedies, uh, which are absolutely hilarious. I love these movies, uh, and those yeah. came out like two thousand nine was was uh, the last one, Lost in Rio. And if you haven't watched those, oh my god, I, I cannot tell you that they are just the funniest things. Like, I love Austin Powers, actually. The original Austin Powers. The sequels, like, basically get increasingly worse, but the OSS 117 uh, spinoffs with Jean Dujardin are hilarious. They're they're brilliant, yeah. The Cairo Nest of Spies, is, I, I really like a lot. The second one didn't do as much for me, but I know, I think you prefer the second one. Yeah, I love the second one. It's just so, it's just so stupid. I, and that's, and, and I mean, also, I mean, Matt Helm, uh, we have to, we're going to have to even, we could easily dedicate an episode to because there's enough of those movies. Uh, you know, the Dean Martin uh, ripoffs of, of uh, James Bond, which in a lot of ways are even more James Bond than James Bond ever gets. <laughs> yeah, it's true. And he is sort of the, the secret mascot of, of Cinema 60, Dean Martin, isn't he? We, we haven't done any Dean Martin movies yet, but he's, he 
he's sort of lingering there in the background just as much as Sean Connery as James Bond is. If he's our mascot, believe me, I have a whole bunch to say about Dean Martin. <laughs> we got to talk about We got to do a theme. I've read a lot of books. Um, yeah, and then also, I mean, never mind, uh, Man from Uncle is just a, a, a wonderful TV show. <laughs> oh, yeah, and, and as, as is uh, Mission Impossible, which is really just a James Bond ripoff. And those movies are, you know, the last James, the last Mission Impossible movie was a huge, huge hit, and everybody loved it. Right. And then, I mean, you also have uh, Our Man Flint, uh, Dr. Goldfoot, in the bikini machine. I mean, like there's so many dopey ripoffs of this. And I love that also the fact that James Bond, I mean, it's kind of a bummer in a lot of ways that James Bond, uh, inspired so many ripoffs globally because it basically just goes to show that like male bullshit was universal. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Nobody's, nobody's saying this is an American thing, which, I, no, I it's this is I mean British, okay. but like it's also like it this was this was picked up worldwide. I mean, you get these things everywhere from uh, you know, all like all throughout Europe. Uh I'm Yeah, just, I mean Hong Kong cinema is basically just James Bond. Like look so many Jackie Chan movies, for example, are just you know, super cop or just James Bond ripoffs. So it's it's everywhere. Right. So, I mean, like, this is definitely, I mean, I don't know. I guess we, we weren't terribly serious about James Bond, clearly, as we are both drinking. <laughs> and, and, like, sort of vaguely speaking about these movies. But um, I feel like that's even the most James Bond way to do it. Yeah. I mean, as movies, they don't take themselves very seriously. They don't try to to hold together there's so many continuity errors in these things like there's they're just not they they say let's let's you know let's we know what people want let's give them that and let's not give a shit about anything else and that's how most of the these movies go well we did james bond yeah we did it (laughs) now we don't ever have to say we haven't covered james bond I'm sure there are a dozen podcasts out there that are exclusively about James Bond movies, like going through each one one by one. So, so here's the here's yeah. the other side of that coin, I guess. <laughs> yeah, here's the opposite. Here's two people that are just like, eh, fuck it. <laughs> I'm out of liquor, so this is this is only going to go downhill from here. <laughs> Cinema 60 with Bartolaro and Jenna Ipcar. Our theme song is Io La Conoscevo Bene by Pietro Piccioni. Our closing theme is Go Go Gorilla by The Ideals. Check out our website for new episodes and supplemental material at cinema-60.com. That is cinema-60.com. Follow us on Twitter at Cinema 60 Podcast. Thanks for tuning in.